Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, all Double G here from Fight Game Media. Our Patreon, a.k.a. Fight Game Media Network Plus, recently turned one. We've been through a lot of trial and error as well as progress with the network, and we want to thank our subscribers, both old and new, with a token of our appreciation, literally a digital token. We've created our very first POAP. If you don't know what that is, think of it as an NFT that celebrates an event. If you don't know what an NFT is, well, Google will help you with that. If you join Fight Game Media Network Plus today at patreon.com front slash fight game media, you can claim your year one Fight Game Media Network Plus POAP. We're only doing 100 of them, so join now to claim your prize. It's just $5 per month, and we have a ton of current and historical audio content waiting for you. Hey, everybody, and welcome to In the Clinch MMA podcast on the Fight Game Media Network. I'm Paul Fontaine alongside Ryan Frederick. And Ryan, uh, we are coming off, as you called it, for, like you said, seems like a broken record, uh, one of the best shows of the year. And since we're almost done the year, I think it's pretty safe to say it'll hold up. <laughs> um, it was a really, really, really good show. And we knew it was going to be good going in, but I don't think we knew it was going to be as good as it was and, uh, you know, historic. In a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, out of all, I mean, we've had 42 UFC event, events this year with our 43rd coming up, coming up, and this is probably my favorite UFC event of the year. And I remember talking about how after that Madison Square Garden show about that, that possibly being an all-time great UFC, UFC pay-per-view. And I think this one, you know, from top to bottom might have, might have even surpassed that. So just, just a great show if you missed out on Saturday night. Oh yeah, I mean, and and when you talk about yeah, but there you know, there's a difference between best and favorite, and it, for me, it's going to be kind of hard to top that like first show back in Houston with fans, um, but 
this is this is right up there because um, this this was so good. The, the only thing is, I think I missed out a little bit on it, um, and I was having fun. Um, and uh, cheap plug, if anybody's you know, if you're listening to this and and you're on this feed, I did a show called The Rap um, that 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 airs on the free feed of the Fight Game Media Network, and I was recording it during the UFC, so I was watching with the sound off, and I saw the Pena Nunez fight, and I couldn't even. I didn't even understand what had happened. Like I'm watching it and I'm like, did the round end? Like it didn't seem like there was, that was five minutes and I'm, you know, and, and, uh, so we'll get into that, but, um, it was, uh, it was a really freaking great show. And, uh, you know, and, and obviously, um, Charles Oliveira, uh, you know, retained the title in the main event over Dustin Poirier. Um, I, I got to say, like, you know, as, as that first round was starting, I I didn't think it was going to get out of the first round. And I thought Poya looked like just so crisp and he was connecting hard and Oliveira was not taking the punches very well at the start. And I, you know, I thought I thought he was in real trouble. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, you know, he, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I I personally think that the first round of that fight was the round of year round of the year in mixed martial arts. So. I just want to really get that in. Yeah. And, and when you say that, I mean, you know, like we've had some really, really crazy rounds, but are you just saying because of the significance or like if this was any two fighters, you would have said that, or is it just because of the significance of how important it was and the main event and all that? The stakes, the significance, the fact that Poirier almost had him done, done early. And then Oliver coming back and just, just, I mean, like. Like everything you want in a round of just two guys just standing there trading and hitting each other with their best shots and their hardest shots. It's like, that's everything you could ask for. It was just an absolute crazy first round. And and the crazy thing is like, it was almost, I mean, I mean hopefully people watch the prelims too, because it was almost a carbon copy of the first round of Dominic Cruz and um, Pedro Munoz. Like, yeah. you know, in a way, like, you know, like, in a way, but when you look at the statistics, with twice as much that that landed, so so twice as much landed in the in the uh, Poirier Olivera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. See, and that was again. I was watching with the sound off, and and uh, you know, I I kind of got see that one. I was paying a lot closer attention to because you know I was pretty heavily invested into yeah, it, and they, I apologize to the people I was recording with, but um, they you know because in the Pena Nunez, I'm just kind of watching and okay, when is when is Pena going to turn it? When is Nunez going to turn it on? And you know, like she's just playing with her, you know, kind of thing. And plus, I had a bet on going over, you know, under one and a half rounds, so I was like really invested and Nunez finishing her quick and then when that went past um, I kind of was losing interest in the fight um so but yeah it um I I mean and then you know and, and then you know when Oliver went down the first time I you know and you, you know you you can never tell with him like is he actually down or is he just going to the ground and uh and I think he was going to the ground and then you know Poye figured that out and got up right away and then in the second round that's when he started actually taking him down or you know pulling guard I, I think at one point and then he took him down and he you know Poye won the first round Oliver I think won the second and then you know and it was yeah the third 
that yeah the third that was finished Oliver got him down right away and um and then you know ended or no he locked in the rear naked choke on the feet and uh you know and, and once that was in i mean it was over and you're not escaping a Charles Oliver rear naked choke when when he's got the body lock on and he's got the full hooks in like Poirier's tough but he's you can't escape <laughs> um you know who is it there's a wrestler that has a finisher you can't escape and when Oliver puts that submission on you can't escape yeah. um and and it was done and uh you know a lot of people doubted Oliveira because they didn't think he actually beat anybody to win the title and Poye had a more impressive record I actually heard one very very prominent uh MMA journalist say that Poye was a more deserving champion, um, which I kind of thought was ridiculous to say. Uh, but, you know, I mean, that's how some people felt. But here, I mean, there's no disputing it now. Um, <laughs> and uh, Conor McGregor was right in there. You know, when when do I when am I fighting him? What date? You know, what date try marking my calendar kind of thing. And I mean, they probably do it. But that's like just ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, going back to the first round, like I was talking about, Oliver yeah. and Poirier landed a combined 102 significant strikes in that first round. Wow, first round, and wow. yeah, I mean, I mean, when Poirier dropped Oliveira, the Charles Oliveira, Oliveira of old, you know, might have full might have folded and quit under that because I mean, there was did a lot of the big talk, you know, was you know, does Oliveira have the heart to be in these wars with a guy like Poirier? Because yeah, when that Oliveira had that run where he lost where he went eight and eight over 16 fights and seven of his losses saw him being finished finished i mean you know in a lot of those fights he just you know he kind of just quit quitting a lot of them uh, would get hit and just you know just be done be done but i mean this the last two fights have but with the chandler fight and now the poirier fight you can't question charles Oliveira's heart anymore he's he's got everything i mean and now he's got another submission win adding to his most ufc wins by submission another finish finish again you know most ufc finishes in ufc history just i mean like this you know there was a lot of talk about poirier you know if he won the title would that be the cement of his Hall of Fame resume. I think this fight actually oh. cements cements Oliveira's Hall of Fame resume because I don't know that anybody's going to ever break those records that he had that he has because he's going to keep adding to him, adding to him, and just I mean, I mean, you know, there was yeah, there was a lot of talk coming in this fight uh, who the actual best lightweight in the world is because we all know the story of of Poirier turning down the title fight in May to go after that third Connor Connor fight you know we would have had Oliver and Poirier in May but now we know truly once and for all maybe who the best actual lightweight in the world is Justin Gaethje will have something to say about that and that fight after this one I mean that fight is just going to be probably even more bananas than this one was yeah, I mean, when you when you talk about him not, you know, whether or not anybody's going to touch his records, um, what you got to remember is like how young Oliveira was when he started. I think he debuted in UFC when he was like 21. And you look at a guy like Sean O'Malley, who's got like a great record and a lot of finishes and people look at him like a young guy and he is, but he's 27. And, you know, by the time Oliveira was 27, he had like, he had like 
eight finishes in UFC already. Um, so, you know, like I, yeah, I think you're right. Um, it's going to take somebody coming in young and getting on a roll right away. Um, you know, Max Holloway potentially could have done it, except, you know, he's had a lot of five round wars. Yeah. So he's not getting I mean, the finishes. And just, and Oliver did just turn 32 a couple months ago. So right. we're going to have probably yeah. a good solid eight more years of them at least, you know. But you probably like at least another three, four at, at a, as a top, top level. And then, you know, guys don't leave right away. So, yeah, I mean, you know, he'll be main eventing till he's 40. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, 32, he's, you know, probably right in the mid range of, of you know, UFC champions. So, um, yeah, just a great performance by him and Poirier. I don't think he loses a ton uh, by by taking the loss. I mean, it's really going to make people, you know, like kind of look back at his record now and say, well, you know what? He beat Connor twice, but Connor shot and beat Dan Hooker, but Dan Hooker lost to Michael Chandler. He beat Max Holloway, but that's a featherweight. You know, he beat Alvarez, but he was past his, you know, you can go on and on. Um, I mean, he beat, you he beat, downplay. He, beat <laughs> he beat Justin Gaethje. So when both those right. guys were at the yeah, top, yeah, so. He, exactly. Yeah. So that's finished, three years ago. He finished Gaethje, Almost four so. years ago. So yeah, yeah. So. And he and he finished Pettis when Pettis was still you know a contender. Um, so you know like that's I mean it's not I'm not like trust me I'm not uh, selling him short. I'm just saying that's what people are probably going to do. Um, you know, but but he's you know he's still a top top lightweight. I mean the, this division is crazy. Um, you know, and there's still a lot of big fights for him. I mean there's still the fourth Conor McGregor fight that I'm sure they're going to do at some point. Um, so yeah, I mean uh, you know great great performance for all of it. Era. I'm sure probably not the result UFC wanted, but you know, if they ever, when I shouldn't say if, when they go back to touring like Brazil and we'll get into uh, some of their touring schedule a little bit later in the show, but um, you know, Oliveira is going to be headlining, you know, shows there. So, um, you know, great, great. It's always great to have a strong Brazilian champion and Oliveira is just on like one of the greatest runs in UFC history, honestly, when you, when you look at it. So, I mean, um, he's, so yeah, uh, he, you know, he's, he's only one of two fighters who has a who has a win streak of 10 plus inside the UFC right now so i mean that's a that's a yeah. especially in this fight him and what Adesanya? no not no, Adesanya. Usman. um yeah. Usman. Usman. right right yeah, yeah. and especially yeah. when you look at lightweight right now which we talked about as being arguably yep. the best division in the UFC to win 10 in a row in that division right, right now that's just that's unheard of i think the the toughest fight for him uh, when when we get to it, and we will get to it probably in the next year, year and a half, is is Islam Makhachev. That's the one I'm interested in. But um, you know, he's got some big names to get through first. So, um, and then of course in the co-main, um, I mean, what some people are calling, uh, you know, the biggest upset in UFC history. I, I that was my immediate thought. Um, our uh, friend Nick Baldwin, who was recent guest on the show, he wrote an article on the Score.ca, you know, outlining the case for Pena being, you know, this. Being being the biggest uh, upset. It's not in terms of odds. I think the Holly Holm win over Ronda Rousey was bigger and, you know, probably maybe Matt Sarah over George St. Pierre. But I think in just practicality and, you know, just looking at the two fighters, I, I mean, I don't know. I think maybe the odds were lower because of the issues that Nunez was having going in uh, with COVID. And, um, and, you know, and some have speculated that that might be the reason for her poor performance in this fight. Um, but Juliana Pena won. Um, I, it shocked the world. I mean, I, I mean, 
I literally, you know, I put a lot of money on this going the other way. I went with a finisher because the odds weren't good enough to give you any money to to get just on a straight win. Um, and uh, Juliana Pena shocked the world. And, you know, she's out there with her daughter uh, <laughs> cussing, which is always a great look for. Uh, I don't care if it's a mother or a father. Like, I don't like parents cussing in front of their kids like that but that's a whole other issue uh, you know everybody that listens to this show knows my opinion on juliana pena but kudos to her for uh you know shocking the world and winning the title um obviously everybody's going to want to see the rematch um and you know if if whatever was going on with um with nunez hopefully she can work that out and uh, have a better performance next time i think as you suggested they should go to that fight as soon as they can um what what did you think of this and then did you, obviously you didn't see it coming I mean, didn't not a lot of people did. I mean, we talked about it on this show how how we we I mean yeah. we completely wrote off Juliana Pena on this show on this show several times, and I mean she did what she had to do. Do the one thing that she did that a lot of other people haven't been able to do was just pressure Nunez in the second round with the yes. punches, punches. Because the thing about Nunez still is like she she's willing to engage in a firefight, and it always doesn't necessarily work out for her for her if you watch if you watch the cyborg fight going going back cyborg tagged her early and then and then they both started getting reckless on the feed and nunez was the one who who connected you know to get to knock cyborg out cyborg out so i mean it was just nunez you know i mean nobody's pressured her like that in a long time you know and and she was tagging pina and pina wasn't backing down so when that when that happens you know it's it's a lot of you know Nunez didn't adjust well, and she got she gassed early. Who knows if that was from COVID? I mean, she said she said personally she wasn't. You know, after the fight, she said she wasn't feeling it all day. And sometimes, you know, this this happens in this sport. I mean, all the all the yep. all the greats lose. As great as Habib was, Habib was. I mean, I there was going to come a day where he probably lost. You know, there's going to come a day where he lost where, a round to Michael Johnson. Like, yeah, there's going to come a day where John Jones. John Jones has a legitimate loss. There's going to come a day when yep. Kamar Usman had, you know, loses in the UFC. He's lost before, lost before. But I mean, and Nunez has lost before, and it, this looked a lot like Nunez's last loss in the UFC when she lost to Kat Zagano. I mean, and Kat Zagano, yeah, yeah, just a lot of a lot of pressure for Pena. And, hey, Pena had a great game plan. She did, you know, she was just gonna come forward and throw throw it wasn't looking good for her at, after that first round but she made all the proper adjustments did the, did a great job and and i mean and she finished nunez and you know not many people can say they've done done that so i mean it's a legitimate win for pina and honestly we've talked about on the show when we did our divisional rankings not too long ago we talked about bantam women's bantamweight being the being the weakest division in the ufc just because nunez had had you know run through everybody and this really breathes you know new life into that division and shakes it up a little bit a little bit obviously you know when they rematch it could go back to where it was beforehand but but you know who know who knows i mean and i saw some people suggest that nunez definitely doesn't deserve a rematch anybody who thinks that oh come on is wrong is wrong but i mean i guess those people who think that you know are really itching to see juliana's Pena's first title defense against holly holm or something but i mean but i mean but yeah. you know you know that's just that's just you know it you know and i saw more than one person person suggest that. i saw multiple people suggest that which is just 
just, I mean, it, it's an immediate rematch. Wow. Nunez has already called for it. So, so it's going to happen in the first quarter. Yeah. First quarter, first six months so, of the year. So, here, here's a question for you. And, and this was actually brought up to me by somebody. I won't say who. Doesn't really matter. Um, I, I, you know, that's, I, I don't mean that the way it sounded, but somebody asked me, they said, oh, or they didn't really ask. They kind of said it um, that Pena is going to make, or no, sorry, Nunez is going to wait make way more money for this rematch with Pena than she did for the Ronda Rousey fight. And I said that was ridiculous. No, because the Ronda Rousey. Agree? That's ridiculous because the Ronda Rousey fight did a million buy, million buys because of Ronda. Yeah. And, and this yeah. this one, it actually it's actually probably a, the biggest fight now that you can make in that divi- division because now be Nunez is challenging because her her as yeah. a champion against any challenger. I mean, it's you know, let's be honest. There's reasons it's why still, it's co- constantly the co-main event, co-main event. So maybe exactly. maybe they could main event event it with you know strong number two two fight now. But I mean, but you know. Maybe they can main event, but I mean, I still don't think it's doing any business. Like, yeah. there's more interest in this than there would have been. I mean, but I yeah. mean, it's we're we're talking about a two hundred thousand hey, buy paper. I mean, maybe. I mean, the biggest loser out of all of this is Kayla Harrison. And if you didn't see the yep. video of a video ESPN MMA shot shot, I mean, it was plainly obvious Kayla Harrison was not happy after this fight. She was yelling the f word, and and I don't know if this was true, but there was talk that. That you know, had Nunez won, they were going to square off inside the octagon, and Kayla Harrison was going to walk oh. backstage and sign her UFC contract, you know, for that fight. So, so because wow. I mean, that was that was coming, that was coming. If uh, had Nunez had Nunez beat Pena, Harrison and Nunez was coming. Well, they and, could, they could. I mean, she could sign anyways and give her a tune-up fight, but yeah, I mean, you always got to be careful with that. Give right? her Norma Dumont, you know, since that's the only other yeah one forty-five that they have, you know. And, and you know, and see yeah. if new, but if I mean, if Nunez and Pena, when they rematch, if Nunez loses that fight, I mean, I mean, I feel like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know how much it hurts Harrison fight, but it would hurt it more. But if Nunez comes back, comes back, wins the title back in dominant fashion, I mean, that's just the Harrison fight would be just as big. So, well, she's still the 145 pound champion, so yeah. I mean, it would still be a title fight, but yeah, it's not, it doesn't have the same lure um, going in as, as if she was a dual champion. Yeah. Um, so we had also third from the top, uh, Jeff Neal, Santiago Ponzinibbio, split decision. Um, I don't really have a ton to say about this fight. Uh, it was, it was, I think a lot of it was just how great everything else on the show was, but this show, this, this fight did not rock my world. Um, I, I don't even remember how I scored it. I think I had it 29, 28 Neil, which to me seemed like the reasonable score third round. Neil started out really strong. And then Ponzinibbio had like, you know, kind of a strong middle of the round. And I was kind of starting to lean towards Ponzinibbio, maybe giving, getting it. And then Neil came on at the end and kind of put a stamp on it and won the round. Then when I looked at the stats, it was like, I don't know, the first two rounds didn't kind of seem on the stats the way I kind of thought they went. But as you've said before, you can't always look at the stats. So I, I had, um, yeah, I had, but the scores were kind of 
all over the place, right? Like one judge had it 30-27 for Neil, one had it 29-28 Ponzinibbio, and then one had it 29-28 Neil. The, when I heard the 30-27, my immediate thought was that Ponzinibbio had won, and then I thought, no, wait, like the first round was pretty dominant for Neil, so I honestly had no idea. <laughs> and then, you know, um, I, I just thought, as soon as I heard the 30-27, I knew it was a bad score because no way the same fighter won all three rounds. Uh, but, you know, Neil won, and that was fine. Um, just kind of a boring fight. Uh, I mean, it was all, it was all right. Fight the first the first two rounds were pretty close. I thought Neil definitely won the first, and Ponzinibbio definitely won the second. But they could have gone either way. But but I mean, going in going into that third, the third was the, the deciding round round regardless, and it was pretty even up until Neil took it over late in the round. Late in the round, Jeff Neil definitely won that fight fight in my opinion. I you know, but uh, it, I mean, it was good, not great, but but it was kind of you know it was. It ended up kind of being the the fight it needed to be. Kind of, kind of let everybody kind of calm down after a bunch of craziness before it, and then and then we saw the craziness that came at, came after it. And you know, and both these guys, you know, they were they were fighting not to lose, and both of them were needing the win. So and Neil was needing to win more, and you know, he did enough to win. So that's all about that's about it about that fight. Yeah. Um, and before we get into the uh, the rest of the card, and we'll kind of loop the other two main card fight uh, fights in with the prelims, just wanted to talk just a little bit about our Patreon. As uh, you know, if you've been longtime listeners of the show, you're familiar with the Patreon. It's now called Fight Game Media Network Plus. And there's four exclusive weekly podcasts on the Patreon, which include uh, myself and Jeff Hawkins, who do the Dynamite Show, which is every Wednesday immediately after AW Dynamite ends. We go over the show in detail, kind of talk about our likes dislikes you know where we think they're going all kinds of stuff um then on uh, uh we, they also have john LaRocca and garrett gonzalez who is the founder of of our web of our network uh they go over 1997 wwf and soon to be 1998 wwf in great detail they they watch the show weekly they watch the pay-per-views and they kind of recap everything and a real interesting period in wwf history so if you're into classic wrestling check that out and then on thursdays uh we have mike gilbert and jd by god oliva uh they have brace for impact and so there's a free version of that show on on our free network that you're listening to actually no it's got its own feed uh the impact feed but this is a full length version of brace for impact and it includes the show recap but it also includes you know impact news they take questions from readers they go over other interesting stuff in wrestling and kind of pertain on how it relates to what's going on in impact you know like if someone got released from wwe they'll speculate on oh will that person come to impact you know stuff like that and then on fridays we've got scott edwards and his five star joshi show which joshi is um japanese female wrestling and he goes over that in depth you know so he's talking about stardom he's talking about um the other promotion i don't even know their names but um scott edwards has been a writer for voices of wrestling for a long time and he's a recent addition to our network he used to co-host that show with parker klein and now he does it on his own occasionally as guest hosts so that's a really cool show those uh those four shows as well as bonus monthly content on all the networks including us which we have to get together and figure out what we're going to do for our bonus content but uh we'll do that off air but it's five bucks a month um you know it used to be at one point i think it was 25 bucks then it was like eight bucks now it's five 
um, but you're getting all, you know, you're getting at least four shows a week, plus you're getting those monthly shows. And there's other monthly shows as well that'll be on there. There's um, The Wrap uh, with Keela and uh, Scott Young. There's The Boom, which will have their monthly shows, you know, covering something AEW related. So a lot of cool stuff. Uh, so check that out. Patreon.com slash Fight Game Media for Fight Game Media Network Plus. And now we'll get back to the show. Um, so uh, the other two main fight cards, um, just a um, kind of another upset. I mean, it was a night, a night of upsets here. Uh, you know, Olivero was a slight upset. Pena was a huge upset, obviously. And then Kaikar France um, got a first round knockout over Cody Garbrandt. And got to tell you, um, <laughs> you know, there's a couple of the fights that were like this. You know, um, you know, we mentioned Olivera Paria and Dominic Cruz, you know, getting tagged early and almost going down. And then it happened with Cody. But with Cody, um, he was going down and not getting back up. And that, that was the thing. And uh, unfortunately, there was one tweet that made the screen that said, uh, Cody's chin is shot. That wasn't me or you, but I I, I can't believe ESPN put that up because that's disrespectful. Um, it might be true, but it's disrespectful to the fighter. And I don't think they should put that on ESPN. But Kaikar France, uh, you know, won. He, uh, you know, he's kind of defiant in his post-fight interview. He said, you know, people are overlooking me. I got power. I'm going to be the champion. Uh, he was calling for a title shot. He wants the winner of um, Figueroa and Moreno. And I, I think he's probably going to get it with a high-profile win like this. I don't know where Cody Garbrandt goes from here, but clearly he can't take hard punches anymore. I mean, I, f- I feel like the the Cody not being able to take hard punches has been there for a while. He got lucky, you know, mm-hmm. with the Sun Tower where they were landing hard on each other, each other, and you know he just landed the first hard shot to put put a Sun Tower out. And then Rob Font never really hit him with some hard shots. Hard shots. It was mostly just volume and and all that. So, but I mean, you know, I think he thought his power was going to be too much for these flyweights, and you know, and when your chin is. Your chin, you know, might when your chin might not be gone, you can't get into fire firefights, you know. And he did the he did the thing he should not have done, which was getting the slugfest, yeah, slugfest, and it cost him again. And, I mean, and now he's one in five in his last six with four wins, seeing him get brutally knocked out, or four losses, seeing him get brutally knocked out, and you know, no idea what he does from here, from here, you know, because he looked big at one twenty five, he looked good, good at the weight. But, you know, if you can't handle the power of them and, you know, going back up to 135 might not be best for him, best for him either. And just, I just, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, does he take a lot of time off? What he does next? I mean, I mean, they got to, if he goes back up to 135, they got a tailor made fight for him, for him. But even that fight would be a bad idea right now considering how the two of them how both him and Sean O'Malley have looked looked of late and just you know Cody Cody, I mean Cody Cody's definitely done as a top level fighter for sure yeah I mean when you look at like you mentioned you know five five losses in the last six fights four of them by KO three of them in the first round um any other fighter just about on the roster with that kind of record is cut um, there's one example I can think of in recent years where that didn't happen, and that was Chris Weidman with a similar kind of record as this. Uh, now, um, and now, now, nowadays, they're not cutting as many people. You know, Sam Alvey hasn't no. won in his last yeah. seven fights, and he's fighting here again soon anyway. True, so. true. 
Yeah. And Cody's a big name and, and, you know, he's still got some use and, you know, and, and honestly, like putting him against a guy like O'Malley is, is the perfect use for him if you don't care about, you know, his future. Um, you know, because at this point I think, you know, he smokes Garbrandt. Um, but I, you know, I don't know that that's the, you know, if you want to keep, you know, Garbrandt's only 30 years old, so it's not like he's an old guy. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy because he was, he, before this run, he, he was 11 and 0. You yeah. know, and then he's gone five and six, yeah, and then, yeah, I mean, one and five in his last six. He months. was he was eleven and zero, and I and I know a lot of people thought about you know they ru- rushed him too soon, and you know he, you know he shouldn't have gotten that Cruz fight, but at the time you know he was the best opponent, you know, yep. the, you know for Cruz at the time. But after that fight, a lot of people are forgetting that, forgetting you know with the Dillashaw thing and the Ultimate Fighter and all that, that Cody had a really bad back injury injury and you know he might have never ever really fully recovered from it he was doing stem cell therapies you know going to germany for all these kind of crazy treatments and you know he would constantly push back fights and pull out of fights because because of his back injuries so who know i mean i i think i think you know the back injury kind of started you know his his downslope i don't think he ever fully recovered from that and then and then overcompensating it with his chin getting knocked out by Dillashaw a couple of times, you know, that just kind of started the the beginning of the end, basically. And, you know, and, you know, that's not to mention, you know, stuff going on outside the cage with with him and all that. But uh, just, yeah, he just he, you know, he was great a few years ago. Look, looked like he was going to become one of the all time greats. And, you know, your chin has to hold up. And if your chin's gone before you hit the age of 30, 30, you're not going to last long in this sport. No. And, and like you said, I mean, I don't know what's next for him, but what I will say is that if he, if in his next fight, he has another loss like this, um, like, I don't think he should fight again. Um, because like you said, I mean, he's on the other end of 30 now and, you know, and, and you keep taking these losses and that's not good for your long-term future. And, uh, I, I hate to see guys go down like that. And like when they get hit once and they're, you know, they're already going down, um, that is not a good sign. Nope. So, um, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the other main card fight, uh, Sean O'Malley, uh, you know, this fight was a showcase fight for him. He was put up against, you know, probably the big best talent. Well, second best talent of his career. The first one was Cheeto Vera and he didn't win that one, but he won this one. Um, you know, he was very measured early in the fight. He was, you know, keeping his distance and, and landing, you know, from distance and Paiva was trying to get in and he just couldn't get in there. And then when O'Malley finally, when he finally tagged him late in the round and, did damage he o'malley just moved in for the kill and and i mean it was what did i call it um i i well, it was precise and it was violent that's what it was i don't remember exactly how i worded it on twitter but he he just destroyed him like once he realized he was hurt he just moved in like a lion and and just you know, body shots head shots you know like just didn't let up until the ref had no choice but to stop it and paiva didn't know i hit him um you know he was like kind of hanging in there for you know four minutes and then all of a sudden you know like he got tagged and it was over and o'malley you know super confident uh he um you know he wants top 15 fighters he wants top 10 fighters and you know i think it's time to put him in again top 15 fighter now well i mean he he wanted those top guys with a caveat of 
wanting a new contract, you know, to fight those guys. Right. Because, you know, he was always talking about, you know, with what I'm getting paid paid now, it benefits me just to fight non-ranked guys, you know. You know? <laughs> and Dana White even said after after the show that, you know, it's time it's time for us to pay him more, pay him more. So, I mean, they oh. they recognize that they have a they have a star on their hands in in him in him yeah. like I brought up in my, you know, I brought up on Twitter, Twitter after the fight, after the fight and I brought it up in my Monday column and we'll get more into this later in this later in the show, but you know, UFC's looking at going back touring touring and he's he's a guy they could easily use his next fight as a headline as a headline slot on one of these car on one of these cars to see what kind of a draw he is and then from there you know yeah. you you take him and put him in in those you know big time you know those those big pay-per-view co-main event slots on big show on big shows but i mean but I mean, and, and i really think coming in this fight private didn't get a lot of credit for for how good he was this was a legitimate test for sean o'malley far more than a lot of guys he's fought he's fought so far but he passed it with flying colors and just looked really great and it's a show showcase win for him for him and now it's like now it's time to see how he you know goes against these top level guys yeah uh dana was in a pretty generous mood um <laughs> after the fight offering sean o'malley more money and uh giving out performance bonuses you know out the yin yang um and it yeah it was uh you know obviously a star making performance and they've been putting him on these pay-per-views and in this kind of spot you know like on the pay-per-view you know more or less a showcase fight for a while now and and it's finally starting to pay off for them so uh, and it's good timing you know with like you said with going back to touring and whatnot so uh good for him um and then yeah we had uh loaded prelims i mean you know like the top three fights on these uh prelims could have easily been any one of them could have easily been on the main card um and you know one could argue should have been in a way but then you, what do you take off the main card um we had uh, josh emmett and dan Ige in the featured prelim this was a really good fight um back and forth um you know both guys had their moments um and you know a little bit of uh you know you know the, the media scores were kind of split uh you and i both gave it to Ige, um and emmett you know won unanimous decision on the judges scorecard kind of surprised me that it was unanimous because i thought like all three rounds were really close um you know especially the third and i didn't even really know which way i was going to go and i went with Ige and and uh when they announced that it was unanimous, like I kind of thought it was probably going to be Emmett <laughs> just because it, you know, like I just, I felt like scoring it in Ige was giving Ige the benefit of the doubt, but um, it was a good performance. I don't think either guy really, you know, gained or lost too much. You know, it was a, it was a fight. It was both top 10, you know, featherweights that, uh, you know, put on a good performance. Emmett was a higher ranked guy and he won. So I think they kind of probably stay around the same position as, as uh, they were. But uh, you know, good fight. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good fight. When I was, when it was over, it's kind of one of those you kind of wish was five rounds because I feel like five would rounds have had, a, had a more. You know, I mean, I mean, I was calling and I was calling, I was 
talking I talked last week on this show and even in my preview of the show about how this was a fight that really felt like it needed to be on one of these ESPN plus cards coming up as a five yeah. as a five rounder. But I got why they wanted to put Emmett in a three rounder considering, you know, his coming back from, you know, his massive, you know, knee and leg injuries and everything that had gone yeah. gone on. You don't want to throw him in a five round fight right away right away. But I mean this was this was a good fight. Good fight. I thought they split the first two and that the third round was razor thin razor thin you know just just a uh, you know, i mean Ige landed slightly more emmett had some harder punches but Ige also landed some hard punches and it's really kind of like it's a coin flip fight and no matter how you scored it scored it if you had it 29 28 either way neither guy lost this fight really it was just a matter of, of yeah. how you saw things i mean saw diamato scoring at 30 27 for emmett and giving him the second round yeah <laughs> emmett yeah emmett technically on the stats you know landed one more significant strike but always like we always say stats don't always matter and Ige you know the first round was I mean the funny thing is the first round was Ige landed with landed more strikes but Emmett dropped him and Emmett was landing and landing yeah. the more damaging shots and in the second round second round Emmett yeah landed technically you know, landed more, but Ige nearly dropped him, but was landing the harder shot. So it was kind of like those were like mirror images, image rounds in the opposite yeah. directions. And then, and then the third was just like, you know, <laughs> you know, th- put yeah. two pitcher, put two pitchers up up on a dartboard, close your eyes and throw the dart, and whoever lands on wins the fight. So, so, but yeah, yeah. neither neither guy lost anything off of this, and they're both going to stay in the top ten. And Emmett, you know, is a good. It was a good win for him considering everything he went through. And, you know, he probably will get a big fight because that's, I don't know, I think that's like four in a row for him at one yeah. at 145. So, so I mean, you know, he could be right on that cusp of of fighting Volkanov, Volkanovsky, you know, considering Volkanovsky's doesn't seem all that interested in fighting Max Holloway again. Yeah, you call for a Korean zombie, and and that's a that that easily would headline a yeah, head, a fight night card. Yeah, headline a fight night card and call it a title eliminator, and then that would be perfect. Yeah, I I would not even be opposed to rematching these two in a five round fight at some point. You know, yeah. like maybe, maybe not that for the next fight, but you know, even in a year from now. You know, depending on where both guys are, you know, especially if they do, like if they do that fight, you suggested maybe Emmett loses and, and, um, and, uh, font or font Ige wins his next fight. Um, you know, just go back and rematch them again, because I'd like to see these guys for five rounds. And, uh, I don't think the three rounds settled anything. Um, and then we talked a little bit about, um, Dominic Cruz and Pedro Munoz earlier. Um, you know, at, I was worried like when Pedro Munoz tagged him uh, early, I, you know, and you see this with a lot of like older fighters, you know, former champions that are kind of in that tail end of their career and fighting the guys that are coming up where, you know, they can't take the shots they used to take anymore. And that's kind of what this felt like. Um, Cruz got knocked down, uh, which you almost never seen from him. Um, you know, he got kind of right back up, but then kind of got dropped again. And, um, and, and, you know, and later on when he was interviewed after the fight, he, he claimed that he thought he slipped, so he didn't realize he'd been knocked out. So he said that tells you how bad he was messed up. Uh, so he kind of admitted that, which is cool. But then he also said, you know, I think he's throwing some shade at uh, at his old friend Keith Peterson by saying, at least this ref let me keep fighting, um, which I, I had an unnecessary shot, but he wasn't super obvious about it. Um, but yeah, you know, so he weathered that. And, you know, and I was kind of leaning, you know, I was 
thinking all the way this was going to be a 10-8 round because of the one knockdown and the one near knockdown. And then Cruz came on at the end and saved it from being a 10-8. You know, it ended up being a 10-9 round for Munoz in the first. And then he took over in the second and the third. And we kind of saw a little bit of, you know, classic Dominic Cruz where, you know, Munoz was having a hard time hitting him. He was, you know, his defense was on par. He was ducking out and hitting his combos. Munoz was connecting, but just not like he did in the first. I don't think Munoz got tired or anything. It was just Cruz kind of, you know, kind of figured out the rhythm. It took him a little longer than it usually does. And I think he's a little bit slower than he was, you know, five years ago. So, you know, he would have never got tagged like that, you know, when he was, you know, when he was champion, but he did here. And I also like, even though he won and, and it was a big win, Munoz is a tough contender. Um, I just think like, if he gets tagged like that by somebody else, like a TJ Dillashaw or a Jose Aldo, um, he's, he's going down. Like, you know, those guys are going to pounce and they're going to finish him. So, um, I, you know, I, I'm a little bit worried for Cruz, but he's going to get a big fight coming off of this. Yeah. This is definitely one of those fights where Pedro Munoz won the first three or four minutes of it. And then Dominic Cruz won, won the last 11 or 12 minutes of it. However you want to say, you want to say it, but yeah, there's definitely a great bounce back for Cruz after getting dropped. And yeah, a little bit, he's a little bit slower, slower than, you know, he was, which, you know, 30, six year old years old injuries injuries and inactivity it's going to catch up to you but but i mean his combinations were still very crisp but you know he would still fake the takedown and land land off the fake of the takedown and just i mean he you know his skills looked looked you know as good as as good as ever his skills looked as good as ever just to just a little you know lost a little speed and you know he talked about wanting to do the title run and if he wants to do the title run he needs to fight three times next year i would say i'd say forget about the commentary job for a little bit especially after all the shit that happened with daniel cormier during the during the week where he came off looking really bad really bad you know i thought Cruz looked really bad in that and that whole thing i mean you know maybe step away from commentary for a little bit if it you know if, you know if what your fellow co-workers co-commentators do annoy you that much but uh but yeah but i mean just i mean it is a good showing for Cruz, and you know he's he he's a guy who's always gonna he's always gonna be taken more seriously in title contention pitchers because of a because of his name the fact that you know he's twenty four and three and he's never lost he's never lost a non title fight so you know he still got yeah, that, that last got that going for him and going for him and you know you know uh, he won. He wants that Jose Aldo fight, but Aldo doesn't seem interested in it. Interested in it because Aldo Aldo wants Dillashaw or a title shot. I mean, and those those are honestly in Jose Aldo's position position right now. He should get one of those two fights. You know, either one of those. And Dominic Cruz isn't quite ready quite ready. You know, to be calling for Jose Aldo Aldo fight. You know, let him fight one more time, and then you can do that. I mean. I think I suggested him against Marlon Vera. You know, Vera's you know yeah. two two rungs lower than him on the rankings. Rankings, and you know, Cruz is one of those guys who will want to be, you know, fight. Let me fight somebody ahead of him. But the guys ahead of him are Marab Davalishvili, who might just completely school him. School him, though. That would be <laughs> though that would be an, honestly a super interesting fight, just because because Cruz has fantastic takedown defense defense defense, but Davalishvili does hit hard, but. Cruz's movement could also, you know, kind of get him. And, you know, and we saw Marlon Marais, you know, rock 
Duvall's really and almost finish them. But, uh, but then after that, you're talking about the San Hagens and the, and the fonts. And I don't know, you know, those guys are coming off losses, but, uh, cruising against Vera. I mean, you could put that as a headliner of an ESPN plus card and that would Easy. be, that'd be good too. So. Or th- third from the top on a pay-per-view kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but fi- yeah, you know, maybe yeah, actually, I like your idea better uh, headlining fight night because then you can do go five rounds. Um, so yeah, no, uh, uh, you know, great performance from Cruz. Uh, like I said, I'm just a little bit worried, uh, you know, the way he got tagged in the first, but we'll see. Um, and then yeah, the other one I want you to talk about before we kind of cruise through the uh, the rest of the prelims is Tai Tuivasa. Uh, we talked about this uh, last week, and and you made a very impassioned plea about why this you know needed to be on this pay per view in front of fans. And this showed why. Um, first round was, you know, kind of back and forth. I thought Tai Tuivasa won. Both guys landed some good shots. But second round, Tai Tuivasa just came out and blitzed Sakai, finished him, you know, 26 seconds into the round, uh, got him up against the cage and just pounded him, pounded him out, basically. And then then he just went nuts. Um, he cut this great promo uh, afterwards, you know, just crowds going crazy. He's talking about how he's going to party. He wants to take some time off but before he does that he's gonna party uh vegas strip is gonna be turned upside down and then you know he starts doing shoeies people somehow a shoe got in the ring with beer in it he drank that he's walking down the aisle fans are throwing shoes at him he's stopping a drink people are pouring beers on him the security's pushing him through the crowd to get him to the back you know to do his commission stuff and and he just if he had his way he would have had like 50 beers on his way back and that might be low um and and the crowd just loves this dude uh they got a big star like they're they made a lot of stars tonight and this was one of them because uh if he keeps winning like he's like you know he's gonna have that underground kind of well not even underground but he's gonna have that kind of Derek lewis appeal as you know like the heavyweight that hits hard that uh you know cuts great promos and is just nuts and uh yeah and who doesn't love that this is why we watch this sport Honestly, I mean, now now you and all the listeners know why I went on my very impassioned mm-hmm. rant last last week. Imagine imagine this, you know, inside the apex. I mean, it was I yeah. mean, everything Machine Gun Kelly would have given him a beer. But I mean, everything, <laughs> everything about. Yeah. Imagine it two weeks ago, this two weeks ago on ESPN yeah. plus plus inside the apex. Everything about this post fight was just so organic and so yeah. fun, fun. And you. And it's something that you can only get with a crowd. With a crowd, and Tui Vasa is a guy who just doesn't need to fight in empty building settings. I mean, and and I kind of had an, I kind of had a good idea. This is how that how this fight was going to end, which which made my uh, rant a little bit more impassioned because I'm like, I'm like when I'm looking at this matchup, like this this guy is going to knock Augusto Sakai out probably pretty violently, which he did because Sakai took that ugly ugly fall. Oh. Where, you know your leg buckles back and they brought a stretcher in for him just in case he couldn't walk luckily yeah. he was able to walk out under his own power but i mean it was just but then just like everything about that post fight was just was just incredible i mean it's one of the best post fight moments in ufc ufc history and you would have not gotten that inside the ufc apex so so tui vasa he's a he's a star he's won four in a row but you know Put him on big shows. Put him in front of crowds. You know, let him fight in Las Vegas every time. Every time for who? Who the hell cares? I mean, just that guy is, and you know, that guy's a treat to watch, and he's so much fun. 
I'm just I'm just worried at some point. I mean, they're on a collision course. At some point, he's going to be fighting um, Chris Daukas. And I, I don't know who I'm going to cheer for because <laughs> I love both those guys. <laughs> I don't want to see them fight each other. Um, yeah, great, great fight. Um, and uh, great, you know, everything was just wonderful about this. And and that, in fact, it was on ESPN. You know, too, too bad it wasn't on ESPN Maine, but it was on ESPN 2. Luckily, the basketball game ended and this made that because the other prelim uh, didn't make the ESPN. ESPN uh, prelims, so a lot of people probably missed it. But um, why don't you take us through the rest of these prelims? Uh, okay. There's six more fights to go. We feel like yeah. we've been talking forever. There's still six more. <laughs> the uh, the first uh, fight on the uh, main prelims, which was on ESPN Plus, but this oh. one also aired on ESPN News. But it was uh, Bruno Silva knocking out Jordan Wright in oh, 80. Okay, you're going that way. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do that. I, I there's a there's a very specific reason why I want to end where I'm yeah. ending because we got to talk okay. about that got to talk about that quite a bit but anyway bruno silva yeah. knocked out jordan wright in 88 seconds it was i mean and i wrote in my preview that i didn't feel like this was going to go far past the first round because jordan wright had i think all of his wins had come in the first round and and you know i think both of his losses had come in the second round but bruno silva was also a knockout guy and wright was teeing off to the body early but then silva landed a combo that i mean wright could wright couldn't stand after he got hit by that and went face face planted silva landed big punches to end it and silva 3 and 0 with three brutal knockouts so far in the ufc it's calling for a big name opponent and we'll probably get it all right early prelims uh ended with a middleweight fight andre muniz submitting eric anders in the first round with an arm bar very much like his win over jacare where he just got anders down to the ground and worked for the arm bar and he had the arm bar actually in the same exact position that he had the Jacare one in only difference is Anders tapped here instead of getting his arm broken, but another impressive win for Muniz four and in the UFC with three submission wins. Uh, he was calling for, I think he was calling for Brad Tavares next, which would be a good fight. Good fight. I mean, I don't think I suggested that one, but, but yeah, he should be fighting a top 15 guy, guy next, uh, women's flyweight fight. Aaron Blanchfield with just an absolutely dominant win over Miranda Maverick. Maverick, I mean, just uh, Blanchfield just, I mean, took her down at will throughout all three rounds and just dominated from the from the top. You know, won all three rounds clearly. All three judges had a 30-27. I had a 30-27. You could probably give a 10-8 in the second for 30-26, but Blanchfield, 22 years old, and she's already – looking super impressive and she talked about she wants to be the one to beat valentina shevchenko give her a couple more years and she'll be ready for that and who and that could be a very interesting fight uh featherweight fight you know fight you were looking forward to paul <laughs> paul uh ryan hall scored yeah. unanimous decision over Derek minner 30 27 30 27 29 27 it was a fight up ryan hall's alley he just kept getting it down on the mat especially in the last in the last two rounds and just controlled on the mat matt you know did did great work looking for leg locks and chokes, but never really got anything locked in. Minner, uh, he's been submitted a lot, but he's got, also got a lot of submission wins. He knew how to defend a lot of this stuff. I mean, it's just yeah. Ryan Hall did what he needed to do to win because he needed to win because had he lost, you know, they might have cut him if he had he lost. So, I mean, yeah. it was a solid win, a solid win for him. Uh, Bantamweight fight, Tony Kelly finished Randy Costa in the second round. 
uh, Kelly was just all pressure, you know, on Costa from the get go. Get go. I mean, you know, Costa is a guy who he comes out and explodes, and if he doesn't finish you in the first round, he has trouble. And Kelly never let Costa get him get in that rhythm and was just dominant, you know, and finishing him. It got him down in the second round. It was landing all sorts of elbows from the top to get the finish. Finish. Good win for Kelly. He uh, drove from Shreveport to Las Vegas during the week because he didn't want to fly if he had to wear a mask. Maybe they'll book him overseas. Let's see if he can drive over over an ocean. You know? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, I, I mean, no matter what you feel about these mask band-aids, if you're going to, you know, I've, you know, Shreveport is a little, is about five hours from me, four hours from me. And I've done the drive from, from Fort Worth, Texas to Las Vegas. It's not fun. And I can only imagine yeah. doing that, doing that, you know, for doing that, you know, on a, on the week of the biggest fight of your career when you're having all this other stuff going on, just because you don't want to wear a silly mask for three hours. Uh, you know, I don't get it, but whatever, whatever, you know. So, so well, I'm that. thinking of driving to Vegas just so I can avoid the uh, the hundred ninety dollar PCR test I have to get. That's that's, that's a whole different story. That's a that's a that's a yeah. different different scenario. I mean, you know. Yeah, the dude, the dude wore one to travel to Abu Dhabi for his last fight. He could tra- he could wear one for three yeah. hours to travel from Shreveport to Las Vegas. But anyway, yes, enough of can. that. Enough of that. It's something you know, it's personal yeah. choice. Uh, opening fight of the night. We oh. kind of need to talk about this. Julian Robertson submitted Priscilla Cachoeira with a second to go in the first round. Kind of went how I saw how I saw it going. Going once Robertson got Cachoeira down to the ground, down to the ground. You know it was going to be over just a matter of time, but uh, Robertson locked in that rear naked choke. You know in, in about the last thirty seconds. Ugly scene though. Cachoeira was gouging the yeah. eyes of Robertson to try to escape. It was blatant. It was obvious. I mean everybody saw it, it happen twice. Happened twice. You know luckily Robertson didn't flinch from it and Cachoeira tapped tapped out and. Cachoeira missed weight for this fight again, gouging eyes. You know, there's, you know, there's talk about, you know, or I mean, there's not talk. There was an incident, you know, a few months back where, you know, she was beating on her girlfriend, you know, domestic violence stuff, you know, you know, stuff uh-huh. like that. I, You got to cut bait with Cachoeira after this, after yeah. this, even if you take the outside of the stuff, missing weight and then, you know, gouging eyes of your opponent, opponent. I mean, that's, that's. That's bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, cut her, yeah, cut her loose. I, cut her loose. She, she won't be a big loss. She's one of the worst fighters on the roster. Just cut her loose. I, um, I saw your, I saw your comment in the Facebook group. Um, you know, cause Sharon needs to be cut after this before I saw the fight. Um, so I didn't really know what I was in for. Um, and you know, and I knew, okay, like, you know, she won her last two fights before this or her. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not, as a result of, you know, oh, if she got, if she lost, you know, um, and I knew she had missed weight, but I'm thinking, you know, you're not just going to cut her, you know, cause she missed weight, you know, once. Um, so I figured there was something really <laughs> notable coming and I wasn't expecting what I saw and, uh, all credit to Robertson. She was totally classy in the post-fight interview. She didn't bitch and whine about it. She, um, you know, and even when the, when, uh, the interviewer mentioned it, uh, Cormier, I think it was, um, she, she said, you know, she said, yeah, yeah, she did that, but you know, I and she just kept going and uh credit to chris Cantonioni for not stopping it you know and and warning her deducting her because i mean that actually could have you know if he would have broken it up and even 
and deduct her a point like that actually would she would have escaped the hold you know um so you know by by not doing anything he actually you know that actually worked to uh, robertson advantage because there was only fight was stopped with one second left uh in the round so um obviously kashara was desperate and uh yeah I, but i mean i think even if it had gone to the second like robertson would have just taken her down again and done the same thing so yeah um yeah great so, great win for her yeah so yeah but yeah so, goodbye goodbye yeah. kashara yeah so that's ufc 269 you got anything else on the prelims you want to add paul no uh, no, no. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you pretty much covered everything. Um, I'll just go over the bonuses because um, I mentioned it earlier. Dana White gave out eight bonuses on this show. Um, Fight of the I Night got, went yeah. to... Uh, go, ahead, go ahead, and then I got something to say about Moon, that, yeah. Okay. Munoz and Cruz got Fight of the Night. Performance bonuses went to Bruno Silva for his knockout, to Ivasa for his, Sean O'Malley, um, to Car France, to Juliana Pena, and to Charles Oliveira. And what did so, you want to say about it? So, I mean, this is now the second straight show where we've seen them, you know, go above the four, the four post fight bonuses. I mean, last week, that's last week's show. They gave out six and this week they gave out eight, eight for as much talk as they, you know, are gloating about, you know, this being their biggest year ever. And the fact that everybody knows that, that these random shows are, they're getting $12 million plus per show, <laughs> per show, honestly, this needs to be. I, this should become the standard, given all these, this many, you know, bonus, bonuses. Who cares, you know, which one is better? If they had an impressive finish, give them bon, give them fifty thousand dollars. Who cares? Who cares? I mean, they you should know, give I, fifty. They should honestly give fifty grand to every finish. I mean, if you start offering fifty grand for finishes, you imagine how great these fights would be. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, we're already coming off of this is arguably the best in you know year in UFC UFC history, both business wise and action inside the inside the octagon. Octagon, I mean, that would be great. I mean, I mean, and, and honestly, if they did that, they would probably all these people bitching about fighter pay would probably alleviate a little of that. Shut them up. A little of that, you know, a little of that, a little bit. And really, it's. And it's like, so even if, you know, on a 12 fight card, that's 600 grand that you're giving out uh, as opposed to the 200 you're already giving out. So it's an extra 400 grand out of your 12 million. Yeah. You know, it's like 3%. 600 grand. You're probably getting that, getting, yeah. getting that from a company that's, you know, having their logo yeah. on the octagon. You're probably, you know, each show, oh, each show. Probably I just mean, get another sponsorship. Yeah, get get another just, sponsorship. Yeah, you, know, you can some, you, you know sell sell the uh, sponsorship for the post fight post fight bonuses. There you go. The uh, the the you know the you know what you know whatever company the yeah. ha- the Howlerhead post fight bonus the post fight bonus is yeah. brought to you by Howlerhead and you know and boom you yeah know, you know fifty grand. Yeah. And then, you know, eventually they could start giving out more, you know? Yeah. That's, hey, we're, yeah, we're, we're coming up with some good ideas. And it just, and it alleviates a little bit of that, of that, all these people like yelling post fight. I mean, you know, yeah, you have a night where there's like nine finishes and everybody's asking for a bonus and they only give it to two of those people. You kind of feel bad for the other seven. I mean, just give it to those who deserve it. Who care? Who cares if you go over, go over? I mean, you're, you're, you're a company that can sell right now for ten billion dollars. I mean, you can afford you can afford you know, you know, shit, whatever yeah. you know. This. All right. So yeah. Uh, so we got one more card uh, to go over, and uh, you know it's a pretty good card for the year end show. It's uh, coming up this Saturday from the Apex. It's an afternoon show. Starts at three our time, four p.m. Eastern. Um, and main event we've talked about. 
pretty much every week since this was made, I think, because I've been that's how long I've been looking forward to it. Uh, Derek Lewis and Chris Daukis, heavyweight fight, um, you know, up and coming, you know, contender in Daukis and, you know, a former title challenger, division mainstay in Derek Lewis. This is a perfect fight. Um, I don't think it's going to go five, but it could. If it does, it could be ugly. Um, there's a 14 fights on this card too. Um, and, and this is a pretty deep card. Like there's a, you know, a lot of big names on the card, a lot of, you know, guys have been around forever. Um, I don't want to talk too long about this card, but we got to go over some of these fights. Um, Lewis and Daukis, uh, you know, I think it's the first main event for Daukis and, uh, uh, big year for him. Um, and uh, you know, if he culminates with a win in a UFC main event, uh, that's, that's pretty big for him. Yeah, I mean, and it's really a crossroads fight for Derek Lewis. I mean, he's coming off that disappointing loss to the interim title fight to Cyril Gunn. And if he wants to make one one more run, I mean, he's got to get by by Chris Dawkins. And at the same time, Derek Lewis is probably the limit of this test, you know, for if you're going to be a heavyweight contender. If you're going to fight for a heavyweight title, he's a guy you got to beat. And Chris Dawkins has looked yeah. great, great this year. This year came in the year 2-0 in the UFC with two first round knockouts but unranked and he's beaten two ranked opponents goes into his first main event Derek Lewis is in his ninth main event he's been here before uh, you can never count out Derek Lewis Chris Dawkins is a knockout artist we've never seen him you know past the middle of the second round so so we know Derek Lewis even though he gets tired he can go five rounds we've you know it won't necessarily be the prettiest five rounds you know but he can go five <laughs> five rounds and just I mean you know, we kind of. It feels like lately, Derek Lewis has been kind of quiet since the gone loss. You know, and maybe, yeah, maybe you know that lit a new fire into him. You know, be a very interesting fight, but it's a, it's a really big test for Chris Dawkins. And honestly, it's a, it's you know we're gonna see where Derek Lewis stands. You know, going into twenty twenty two with this one. I, you know, and I just looked at his record and if you had asked me before I looked at it, I kind of in my head assumed like he had had like, you know, uh, at least one or possibly even two decision wins. He's got four straight knockouts, um, you know, to start off his UFC career. And if, if he happened to do that to Derek Lewis, like I don't even remember the last time a guy started a career with five straight knockouts. Do you? Like I'm sure it's uh, happened, but it's I mean, it must it's, have been ha- it's happened, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head on the on the spot. You'd have to get you'd have to probably give yeah. me about ten minutes to think about it. But I mean that's I mean that I mean and and with the fifth one potentially being against Derek Lewis, um, I mean all of a sudden we're talking about he's the breakout star of twenty twenty one. If, I mean, if maybe, he if he think, happens to get I a think, knockout win here, I think maybe Nagano might have started off with five knockout wins, but he okay. might have had a submission win yeah. in there, in there. But you know, yeah. that's about as close close to as you get, you know. And this kind of came out of nowhere. Like, I mean, this guy was a late replacement in, you know, late 2020. And, you know, everyone liked him. He had some good promos. And, uh, you know, he kind of debuted around the same time as, you know, some other guys, you know, like uh, Tanner Bozer and, um, you know, Tom Aspinall. And, you know, like, so he's kind of looped in with those guys. 
kind of got lost in the shuffle because he debuted during yeah during the pandemic you know during when the a pandemic lot, too when yeah. a lot of when there was a lot of where there was a huge influx of you know guys coming in guys coming in just basically yeah. to kind of fill spots and and he was a guy who was brought in to fill an opening and he's taken full advantage of it i mean you know a year ago i mean 14 months ago he was headed into his ufc debut on short notice now he's in his first main event ranked number seventh against a guy guy who's been a main eventer and a top star for years so so yeah big fight for Dawkins. Yeah, and and a really big fight in the in the co-main as well, and arguably, I mean, you could make a case that this should be the main event. Um, Stephen Thompson and Bilal Muhammad. Um, you know, Thompson, former title challenger, Bilal Muhammad. You know, probably a future title challenger. Um, and fascinating fight to me uh, because Bilal Muhammad's just you know all about constant pressure and guys you know Stephen Thompson nobody wants to get in on him because they're afraid of getting their head kicked off so um, I I'm just fascinated to how this is going to go um, and Bilal Muhammad showed that you know he wasn't afraid of Damian Maya in his submissions so we'll see if how he feels about Stephen Thompson and his striking I mean couldn't have two more different opponents back to back uh for for muhammad and uh really really interesting wel- welterweight fight i kind of really wish this was five rounds yeah yeah i kind of do too and uh, uh, this is, feels like a fight that will be a little bit thompson will be a little bit more comfortable in thompson signed a new ufc deal deal before this fight too. Oh, okay. so you know he's got a you know you know that gives you a little bit more confidence you know knowing that knowing that hey even though I've had some recent struggles. They still are giving me a six fight deal deal, you know, and put me in these coming event slots. And Thompson talked about, you know, he just never felt comfortable on the feet against Gilbert Burns in his last fight. Cause he was always weary about the takedown. Well, you know, Muhammad's got good takedowns, but Muhammad's a guy who will, you know, get you, will, you know, trade with you on the feet. So, I mean, this kind of feels like a fight that, that either guy can really realistically win, win, but also falls into Thompson's style, you know, you know, and Muhammad can get, you know, he can be beaten, but he's only got one loss in his last 11 fights. And it was to Jeff Neal, Jeff Neal, you know, I mean, he was kind of losing the Edwards fight, Edwards fight, but granted, you know, he took that on short notice and then we had the unfortunate ending, but Muhammad's a tough guy. I mean, and if Muhammad wins this fight, it firmly establishes him in that upper echelon. And then, you know, it's a big, important fight for Thompson because, because he's a guy who Kamara Usman hasn't fought. So if he can get a win and start a little win streak going, you know, he'd only be two or three fights away away from you know possibly getting Usman you know a fresh challenge so you know very important fight for both men I think uh unless there's an obvious reason why you wouldn't do it um I gotta think that um if Stephen Thompson wins this Colby Covington next but is they're not like teammates or anything are they no there's There'd be, I mean, the only the only reason you wouldn't want to do it next is, is you got to do. I feel like you got to do Covington Masvidal next for both. Okay. You know, so. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, and they're talking about them for Ultimate Fighter too, right? Yeah, but that's that's both those guys in the positions they are now. That has to be the next fight for both men. Both men. It makes too much sense. I mean, it's it's the easiest yeah. it's the easiest fight in the world world to come up with. You just got to do it. You got to get it done. 
yeah at some point and and yeah just let yeah let him do the masvidal feud and then then go to that um and then we got a strawweight fight amanda lemos and angela hill uh angela you know seemingly for a while was fighting like every other month and hasn't been fighting quite as often lately but she's got a real tough strawweight 10 and 1 um fighter in amanda lemos um and i uh this almost feels like she's being set up to lose but i you know we'll see i guess um, who's, I, being set up, who's being set up to lose? Lemos. Lemos. Uh, I don't know about that one. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. What What's the deal here? Like, I, I'm just looking. Like, and I kind of thought that Lemos. I don't even remember her being a straw weight. Um, and she's fought at bantamweight before, so she's she's coming down well, quite a bit. She, she fought uh, at bantamweight in her UFC debut, lost to Leslie Smith, and then got usaded. You know, and then you know. Oh, okay. You know, had to had to take a two year vacation, and then got her weight down, and has come right, right, right. So, you know, since yeah. then has come back as a straw weight, won four straight, one in thirty five seconds. You know, in her last fight, looked really impressive yeah she's got she's got waleed ismail as her as her mouthpiece which is you know always keeps always keeps things interesting and waleed was just screaming that that she deserves a title she's going to be a champion and and you know actually limos was supposed to fight uh nina answerov nina nunez in this fight but she was injured and so hill's taking this fight like on a month's notice so so kind of you know you know big fight for hill too yeah you know, Hill, Hill's somebody we've seen pretty much her entire career. You know, when you talk Ultimate yep. Fighter and first UFC run, and then if you watch Invicta, Invicta, and then back in the UFC, yeah. but she's always somebody who has always beaten those ranked below her and lost to those ranked above her. So this is her chance yep. to kind of right that ship. But, but Lemos is a hard hitter, but is beatable. And Hill's got a. He's got a good style. It's a good style matchup for her. And, you know, this is an interesting fight. I think if she can get her out of the first round, she's probably looking pretty good is, is kind of my thinking on this one. Um, and then another fight that, you know, you, you could borderline headline an ESPN show with this. Uh, Rafael Sunsau and Ricky Simone at bantamweight. Um, you know, uh, Simone, I guess, is maybe not a main eventer, but... Um, that, I mean, that's a sneaky, great fight, too. Like, Sunset's a veteran. has been around for a long, long time. I think even going back to WEC. And, uh, you know, and Simone's a tough hitter. Um, I uh, really, really intrigued about this one, too. Yeah, I mean, Sunset hasn't fought since that Cody Garbrandt knockout in, in June of last year. He's had some fights lined up, but I think he's gotten hurt, hurt you know, in the pandemic, COVID, and all that. And, uh, you know, he's very good on the feet. Ricky Simone is a is a bonafide wrestler. I mean, we could see a lot of fun, fun scrambles and a lot of fun mount work in this fight because of Sunsal is just, he's, you know, he's awesome on the mat. I mean, and we haven't seen, he's, you know, preferred to strike a lot lately. I mean, I still think he's, I think he's better on the feet overall than Simone, but this is a really, a really strong fight. And just, I mean, this main card overall, it has a whole lot of depth. And this one is just, is just as good as any, any fight we have on this, on this main card. You brought up Mirab Devalishvili earlier, and Simone's the last guy to beat him. So yeah. um, that's how good he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you mentioned great fights. I mean, Mateos Gamrut and Diego Fejea at 155. Like, holy crap. Um, you know, I mean, you know, this isn't like a main eventer or anything, but freaking uh, Gamrot's 19 and 1. Fejea's, you know, been around forever. He's got a great record, 17 and 4. You know, he's got two straight losses, but, you know, split decision to Benil Dari. 
Dariush and, uh, you know, and a loss to Gregor Gillespie is nothing to uh, cry about. Um, you know, and even some of his earlier losses to Poye and Dariush, you know, again, you know, like his record might even be better than it looks at 17 and four. Uh, another crazy great fight. Yeah, I mean, I'm honestly surprised I gave Fajaya another lightweight fight because he missed weight badly in his last fight, and he's had a lot of weight-cutting issues issues lately. lately. But, uh, but I mean, but aside from that, I mean, Fajaya's looking to end a two-fight losing skid. He was right on that cusp of being in the title content, contention before losing to Benil Darius, which is nothing to – you know, nothing to be ashamed oh. of because Benil's great. And he got finished by Gregor Gillespie in his last fight when he got after he got tired. But Gamrot, I mean, guy's 19 and 1. And, you know, he's 19 and 1 with 11 finish, finishes. And he's just coming off a, you know, 65 second submission of Jeremy Stevens and then knocked out Scott Holtzman for, before that fight. And he's got tons of potential. And he was a big, he was a big signing, you know, came in the UFC undefeated and he made a name for himself in KSW as champion, champion there. But, uh, I mean, he lost a tough fight in his UFC debut, but he still looked great in his last two fights. And I mean, this could be his real big coming out party against a very high quality opponent. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm like I said, I'm kind of shocked that uh, you know they're they're doing this to Fea. I remember when we when, when we first started the show, like that was one of the first fights we talked about about being a really huge fight was Darius and Fea because they were both on these incredible roles, and uh, you know, and it ended up going to a split decision and Darius won, and and now yeah, now I mean yeah. yeah, he could be on the cusp of getting cut if he loses. Yeah, but I mean when uh, you're three in a row. When you're a guy who's still ranked, but you've lost two in a row, two in a row, and you got something to prove, you got to be, you got to be willing to take on these, you know, young guys that are right on the cusp of being ranked like Gamrot. So, so you know, this is, you know, it's it's a good fight for Freya to take, but it's a dangerous fight for him at the same time. Absolutely, um, and then the other main card fight, uh, another like Darren Elkins and Cub Swanson, like, wow, <laughs> featherweight, like, wow. That's all I gotta say. Wow, I, mean, I can't believe they've never fought. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy that they never fought, considering you know how long they've been they've been around. But I mean, you know what you're getting in a Darren Elkins fight. You know he's gonna bleed, and this is probably a perfect fight for Cub Swanson. Cub Swanson, because you know yeah. Cub is gonna, you know, Cub likes some violent fights, and Cub will bring the fight to Elkins, and you know. I, I mean, I think Cub's going to win it, but, but I mean, this could be just for a kickoff of a main card. This one could be just an absolute war. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a great yeah. matchup between two longtime veterans. I really feel like, you know, when we come back to the show again next week, we're going to be talking about, oh my God, another card of the year contender, um, especially this main card. Um, and now, okay, let's just run through these prelims real quick, but I mean, there's like every single one of these fights has like at least one big name in it and in some cases two. Um, but yeah, take us through the prelims here. Okay, yeah. The uh, featured prelim, you know, and of course this entire show is on ESPN plus this week, but uh, it's a middleweight bout between Gerald Mearshart and Dustin Stoltzfus. Uh, Mearshart's won two straight. Stoltzfus has lost two straight, which if you don't understand that matchmaking, it's because both of them lost their opponents. And so, you know, just naturally just match them up. But Stoltzfus has, 
lost lost by submission in his last fight, and we all know Mearshart loves submitting guys. You know, had a huge upset over Mahmoud Muradov in his last fight, submitting him. So, I mean, you know, look for some groundwork in this. And Mearshart's, you know, a hard nosed, tough veteran who's tough to put away. Put away, and I really like his chances in this fight. Uh, we got a bantamweight bout. Rayoni Barcelo is fighting short notice replacement Victor Henry, who took this fight like a couple days ago, making his UFC debut. Uh, he's replacing Trevin Jones in this fight. Uh, uh, you know, Barcelos has just one loss in his career. Career? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, two lo- two losses in his career. Two losses in his career, but only one loss, you know, in his, in the UFC. It was Tamir, to Tamir Valiev in his last fight, you know, in June. And, you know, looking to get back in the win column. He was on the cusp of getting, getting ranked before that fight. But he was one of those guys who who everybody knew was good, so all these ranked guys were kind of avoiding him, and now he got a, and now he lost. But uh, Victor Henry, a big-time veteran of the sport, has been in all sorts of promotions. You know, Pancras. It's, it's Pancras, I think he's been in Ryzen. I think, you know, you know some other stuff too. And, uh, you know, a long-time veteran getting a short-notice UFC call. So, you know, good good for him. We've seen a lot of guys like him, like him who've been veterans of the sport getting a UFC college here, like, you know, Chris Curtis, Chris Barnett. So another guy to add to that, that list who could possibly make some noise. Uh, we got a heavyweight bout Justin Taffa against Harry Huntsucker. Uh, I mean, great it's, name. Yeah, <laughs> it's heavyweights. It's guys who are coming off losses, but guys who can knock, knock each other out, out, you know, you know, if it goes any long length of time, it'll probably be ugly. But Tafa's been in some fun fights, you know, and, you know, just, not, you know, not expecting much other than somebody getting finished in that one. Uh, we got a women's flyweight fight, Sajara Eubanks against uh, Melissa Gatto. Uh, Eubanks is coming off a win, but the less said about her, the better. And uh, Melissa Gatto is undefeated. Is this is her second UFC fight, coming off a win, win in August over Victoria Leonardo. Um, got a interesting featherweight fight: Charles Jordan against Andre Ull. Ull's moving up from one thirty-five. This should be action-packed fight on the feet. You know, both are good strikers, and you know, both are underrated wrestlers as well. Uh, we got a women's bantamweight fight. You know, low on the card. You know, between ranked opponents, but Raquel Pennington uh, against Mesa Chieson. Uh, Chieson is. A short notice replacement. She's uh, replacing Julia Avila, but uh, she hasn't fought since March. She's, you know, she's supposed to fight Aspen Lad on a couple different occasions and it kept falling apart. So she's finally getting to come back. And Pennington, and she's looked good since uh, coming back from her USADA suspension, has won two in a row. So, you know, big fight at the Bantamweight division, especially considering, you know, the shakeup we've seen this weekend. Uh, got a heavyweight fight, Dontel Mays against Josh Parisian. You know, the heavyweights, low-ranked heavyweights. We'll see what happens, you know. Could be a lot, a lot like a, a lot like your normal heavyweight matchups between low-ranked guys. Could be uh, could be ugly, could be quick. And then opener, a lightweight fight, uh, Jordan Leavitt against Matt Sales. Sale has, hasn't fought in two years, coming off a loss to Bryce Mitchell where he got dominated. And Leavitt's coming off a loss. So two guys who need to win. Yep. Um, so that is the UFC on ESPN+. Plus. That's Like I said, it starts at 4 p.m. Eastern, 14 fights. So probably go till about 10, I would think, maybe 10.30. Um, and uh, or I guess 
yeah, that's about right. Uh, could I suppose it could go to 11 if we have a lot of decisions, but hopefully not. Uh, but there's not a lot else going on unless you're a big college football fan. Uh, I think they got some bowl games uh, this weekend. Uh, probably basketball starting on. No, nah, there's uh, there's some in, well. there's some there's some NFL games too on Sunday on Saturday this week. Uh, oh, are they doing Saturday games now? This yeah, okay, apparently yeah, Saturday. This the, okay. Yeah, this is the first week of NFL on Saturday for the rest of the regular season and for. Two weeks of the Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, next week is, yeah, next week is Christmas already. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we're not taking any time off. We'll be around. Uh, we'll have some special stuff uh, coming up for these weeks where we have no UFCs. We'll, we'll get into that next week. Um, so, yeah, so that's the uh, UFC on uh, ESPN uh, next week, next weekend. Um, so we have to talk about, and you brought this up a little bit in our opening, but uh, you can talk about it a little bit more now. And what do we got to talk about, Ryan? Yeah, it's kind of a slow news week, but uh, for for our we have to talk about segment this week, uh, we have to talk about UFC has made the decision to resume touring come March. We talked, we you know, I think Paul asked me about this on last week's. Sh- you know, on the show last week, and you know, I said I hadn't heard anything, and then, and then of course, the very next day, day I start hearing hearing that they're going back on the road in late March, March, and then so uh, March twenty sixth is the excuse me, I'll say it's the official return to touring. The March nineteenth show is supposed to be the official return to touring with London, but of course that's not one hundred percent official yeah. because we still got a, it's still a matter of COVID restrictions over there. It, but the it's crown. look, but it's you know it's looking uh, it's looking pretty likely. I mean, Bellator was able to pull off a show over there not too long ago, so so I mean you know they're playing on London, but beside the point, March 26th, Columbus, Ohio, UFC fight night. Uh, you know, it's going to be Jan Blakovich and Alexander Rakic. And then they got Amanda Hebas and Michelle Watterson. Those are the only, I think those are the only two fights announced for the card so far, but yeah, people have been waiting for them to bring these fight night cards, cards back, you know, yep. back, you know, uh, you know, as far as the UFC apex, apex, I mean, they're going to have, the January fifteenth show, they're gonna have three events in three events in uh February there, three fight night cards and then one in one in March, you know, the March twelfth. And after that, uh after that as far as like touring, I really don't know what's up what's up. I think it's kinda like take it one event at a time because you know, the key the key of the fight night events were uh you know, they would have thirty of these ESPN slash ESPN plus cards and uh you know, about out of the 30, there would be about 13, 14 a year, year, you know, maybe half of them would take in play, take place in non-U.S. markets. So, I mean, it's just a matter of what country they can go into. I don't think they can go into Brazil anytime soon. They can go into Canada. No. I mean, Canada has kind of got the same. Yep basically got the same rules that the u.s has for international fighters so so yeah, I mean, crossing the border is still a little tricky but there i know wwe is running uh toronto uh and montreal like yeah. in a couple weeks so that'll be the first um you know sports entertainment company you know if you want to count ufc and wwe in the same so there you know if they if wwe can do it then ufc can do it yeah yeah, the hard thing with uh, with the UFC and the and these US markets is a lot of these markets are, it's so rare for them to come to come. So yeah, the special the specialness of a UFC coming to, you know, name whatever, 
<clears throat> mid-level city of Wichita, Kansas, or Charleston, South Carolina, or even like a Charlotte, North Des Moines, Carolina, Iowa, sh- sh- even like a Charlotte, North Carolina, a Columbus, Ohio. They're only coming once every every few years for those shows for the with these fight nights. So it kind of keeps it special. But I mean, UFC they've been drawn well. I mean all. All of their pay-per-view shows this year that that were back in full arenas sold out. So, I mean, you know, it's yeah. it's kind of a hot, hot ticket. Hot ticket right now. So, I mean, be interesting. Uh, me, personally, I mean, these Apex shows have been fun. The environment's been different. But I'm starting to kind of burn out on them because just, yeah. I mean, I mean, the arena shows bring something different. And they're, it's always they're different, and it's always like, like you know, you get the commentators talking about the low, all the local places they go to. You get these local, local shots. Whereas all these events weekly at the Apex, it just feels the same. It feels like you're playing a video game, yeah. And it's just your insert, <laughs> insert fighter A here and fighter B here. It just all feels the same. And I feel like it's been great for as it's been great. For, considering the world the last last two years but i feel it's time to get get start getting away from away from the apex i mean i feel like it's kind of run its core course for these big ufc ufc fight night cards and even these big ufc events dana said said oh you know he claims the apex is still going to be a big part of their 2022 plans obviously they have obviously they have those fights you know in, in january february and early yeah, march first two months for first you know two and a half month you know three months uh and then you got contender series is going to be there still ultimate fighter is going to be there be there who knows what they do afterwards you know maybe you can't run you know maybe you can't run overseas and you can't run all these you know you don't want to burn out yeah. markets so maybe you have the occasional spot show in the at the apex but i mean even you know when it comes to like gate stuff you know everybody worries about the gates i mean i mean yeah they've been selling tickets to the apex shows but they're not they're not selling those tickets aren't selling okay i mean they're not at all, all they're right. not at all i mean they're lucky to sell fit you know 50 50 you know, tickets at a thousand a pop and then i was like doing like like you know looking back at pre pre-pandemic UFC US gates for these fight night cards and they always get gates of 600,000 or thousand at a very minimum so i mean you know they're they're making money off these shows plus plus they get 12 million dollars per show anyway so it's not like so yeah, taking them on yeah. them going on the road is not is not hurting them financially plus they get they get deals worked out with these cities and these hotels so it's almost like they're getting paid to come to come to your city almost so so going on yeah. going on the road is not a big expense for them so but yeah i i can't wait I can't wait to get to a, a UFC show again. So hopefully they get somewhere close to here. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll be seeing that soon. So look out in a city near you, uh, UFC coming to town. Um, and then, yeah, we got uh, just a few uh, quick news notes. Um, and I guess maybe I'll start and then I'll let you get into your news things because uh, we haven't talked at all about Bellator. And I just got a note today from their uh, media that they, I guess they're, I don't know if it's their first show in, um, in 2021 it, but it is uh, t- give me 2022 okay so it's yeah or 2022 yeah so it's phoenix and they're going to have a unification bout uh so the uh heavyweight champion ryan bader against the interim champion uh valentin moldovsky that's in phoenix at the footprint center tickets go on sale this weekend 
Um, they're also going to have uh, Darren Caldwell and Enrique Barzola, formerly of uh, UFC, uh, fighting, uh, actually, tough Latin America winner um, fighting. So those are the two car- two fights that have been announced so far. Bader Moldovsky is a, you know, a decent, interesting fight. It's not going to do any ratings records or anything. I got to say that last card they did, which was, you know, a pretty big card, Pettis and Horiguchi, didn't even make the top 150 in the ratings. So that tells you where Bellator's at right now. Um, and yeah, so that, that is that. And then, uh, you got just a few other fights that were made and some other news announcements you want to go over. There's not really much news this week that I will say about the only thing to point out was they officially announced UFC 271 with, uh, Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker, uh, kind of interesting thing though. Yeah. For Houston. Interesting thing thing though. So, uh, Adesanya claims that this fight is not signed, is not happening, and that he's not going to be fighting Whitaker on that date. And Dana was asked about it. He's like, cool, we'll just get him another fight, you know. So there's that's something to kind of keep an eye on. You know, we know UFC has at times, you know, you know, announced fights before their before contracts are be are officially signed, you know, whether it's to pressure somebody into signing it, you know, and you know, and Dana was asking Hunter Campbell at the post fight press conference and Hunter said bound agreements were signed, but Adesanya's saying one thing and they're saying if Adesanya doesn't want to fight Whitaker, cool, we'll get him another fight. And you know, uh, Adesanya's team was saying something about Whitaker was you know, not was the one not signing the contract and all that, you know, and and you know, and delaying the fight. So I think feel like they were kind of getting there's a little bit of game gamesmanship going on, but I do think in the end we're going to get Adesanya Whitaker too on that date. But it's just it's kind of an interesting situation to monitor, you know. So uh, only fights I really wanted to talk about were the March nineteenth card. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about Cody Durden, late, you know, in his post fight comments over after a recent win. You know, you know, you know how I talked about yeah. sending the Chinaman back to China and all that. You know, made a made some comments that he didn't feel were racist, but you could definitely take take you know the wrong way. But uh, he gets the joy of welcoming Muhammad Mokayev <laughs> to the UFC. Mokayev is arguably one of the one of the best prospects in the sport. And, you know, Mokayev, after those comments, he was calling for this fight. And, I mean, if they were going to punish Cody Durden for his post-fight comments, you know, <laughs> this is it. I mean, I yeah. expect Mokayev just to smoke him. I mean, and Mokayev is legit, and he's a great addition to that flyweight roster. And, I mean, I mean, you know, they flyweight, I mean, it was a division left for dead years ago, and it's booming, and it's becoming one of the most fun fun divisions in the UFC. UFC. And another final oh, yeah. show. Between. Yeah. And, I was uh, going to say between him and Kai Car France and um, Manel Cop. Uh, and, Manel you know. Cop. Yeah. Like, just crazy. Yeah. And then another fight on that Mr. show. Mr. Finland. Just show we talked, you know, we talked about after he lost last time, if uh, Maquan and Mirkani was done with the UFC, he gets one more fight in London against Mike Grundy, you know, um, the big time wrestler. So, so yeah, we'll see that one. And then, of course, I've already talked about Michelle Watterson against Amanda Hebus. Yep. So that's about it on that. I also I also saw here uh, Chow Barallo and Jamie Pickett. Is Barallo the guy from uh, uh, Contender Series this year? Or yeah, the guy who fought. Else? Yeah, no, he's the guy who fought twice on the Contender or Series. Twice, this yeah. Year, okay. This year and but uh, Jamie Pickett. 
you know, kind of got he got passed over for a contract the first time when he deserved it. And then he stayed in Vegas. He stayed in Vegas, you know, to be like, you know, put me on the contender series again. And they got him again on a couple weeks later. And he had an impressive finish and they signed him. And then he decided to go back to Brazil and he was going to end up. He was going to fight on this week's card. But because he went back to Brazil, he lost his visa. So 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 he has to wait till so he has to wait till next month to make his UFC debut. But. He gets it against Jamie. Oh, that's Pickett. cool. Gives him a little more time to prepare. Yeah. All right. So that is going to just about do it for uh, Ryan and I. Um, so for um, so we check out Ryan's uh, preview, his last preview of the year for ESPN 57. That'll be coming out late Thursday, early Friday on uh, fightgamemedia.com. You can check out his review of UFC 269 in the Wrestling Observer. And you can uh, watch the ESPN show and get Ryan and I's tweets all over the screen uh if uh you know they're doing their job um i'm just kidding about that um and i will uh i will be doing um this this weekend i'm doing a show with mike gilbert uh going over the tna um ipay-per-view uh on saturday uh so that's i think i think it's timing out really well it's going to start as soon as ufc ends so that works out really well for me and uh and then i've also got the dynamite show on wednesday as i mentioned earlier in the little ad we did and also the grandpa des show uh is is really uh kicking off i gotta get ryan on there sometime but that's on youtube every monday wednesday and friday uh i got some interesting guests uh, lined up i had brian alvarez on the show last friday i got oliver cop coming up this friday i got lance storm coming on next friday so uh big friday guests um and yeah i'm booked up right to christmas as it, as it's going right now so um yeah so check that out on youtube just type in grandpa des into the old youtube search engine and of course you can follow ryan and i on twitter ryan j Fre- at ryan frederick at ryan j frederick at paul ace fontaine so ryan as you do every week why don't you take us home all right i hope everybody enjoyed the show everybody have a great week and enjoy the fights this weekend Later. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.